This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Aloha, everybody. Welcome back to the Wall Street Coach Podcast with me, Kim Ann Curtin, and Lucas Peterson. We are very excited today to have another coach from the Wall Street Coach team on here, Samantha Keene. Welcome, Samantha, to this podcast. Hi, Kim and Lucas. So lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yep, excited. So, so good. So good to have you here. Samantha and I go way back. We met probably about 10 years ago, I think. Is it 10 years, Samantha? Long oh, yeah. time. Long time. I uh, did my training, meditation training with Samantha. It was a life-changing experience. And uh, we've stayed friends for a long time and colleagues. And then probably about, ooh, I want to say seven years ago, I asked Samantha to join the team. And uh, she works with a variety of clients, but especially our finance clients, those who are in the finance world, uh, executives. And she has done work with traders, but she'll tell you a little bit more about her experience. But I uh, am a huge fan of Samantha. Uh, she has an incredible eye for nuance and an incredibly sensitive uh, nose for anything that you might be kidding yourself about. About. <laughs> <laughs> so Samantha, please tell our tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and whether you agree with my assessment of you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I love your assessment. Um, yeah, I, I just I absolutely love coaching. I've been in this field for 20 years now. Um, as you mentioned, I also do a lot of background work in meditation and um, transformation myself yeah. and teach in that area. Um, but I find with the coaching on every call that I do, I get off the call and I just I just feel great. Mm-hmm. I feel really enthusiastic. I feel a lot of energy. Um, I love my clients, and mm-hmm. it's it's just something that I, I adore doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What got you, know, you interested in it? Okay. Like what? Okay. How, how did it begin for you? Yeah, I was just going to go into that. So, I I was the finance journalist. So I worked for a number of companies. As you can hear, my accent is Australian. I was working in Sydney. I was working in London in the UK um, for companies like the Dow Jones, um, Newswire, which is, was at the time owned by the Wall Street Journal. I worked for Associated Press, um, some big, big people like that where it was, it was very fast-paced, it was very exciting, um, it was very dynamic. And, you know, I got to know all aspects of the finance world because I was writing about it from all angles. Um, and, you know, it, it, was, it was great at the time, but it also really wasn't quite me. As in, I wasn't quite getting the depth that I was wanting um, in terms of experience with people. That's really where I tend to shine. Um, and I had something that was called chronic fatigue syndrome. So it's a little bit like a burnout uh, in my late 20s let's say. And things just, you know, changed. I, I traveled the world, I really looked inside and I didn't have any kind of, you know, inner path at that time. Yeah. But then I started to question things. Um, and I came across meditation. Mm. And that's really where when I started to do a lot of deep meditation work myself, I really started to realize, wow, I'm, I'm really all about transformation. That's what that's what I live and breathe for. That's my passion and for myself I went through some really big changes just it became a different person really I couldn't have imagined I'm living in Berkeley California now when I met Kim I was living in New York you know um, we had a fantastic life and I just couldn't have imagined these things and I've met so many people from all over the world I've worked in Asia I've worked in Europe um, I've worked across North America and also including Canada and just met some fantastic people, but not on the surface. You know, I got to know people from the inside out and help them um, to become different. And so I guess that was, that was just the thing for me. It was I was a different person than the life that I was leading. Mm. And when I figured that out, when that became clear, 
I also wanted to help others to find that in themselves too. And it's, it's really a sense of personal empowerment, you know, um, finding the things inside you which can do that which you want. And at the very core of it, you know, the wantings are so central to everything, what people want. And it seems like a very simple question to say to you, oh, you know, what do you want? Yeah. What do I want? You know, any day can seem simple. Well, you know, I want a chocolate ice cream and I want a really <laughs> fast car and all these things. But really when we go inside and find those core essential things, that, that's the very beginning of tra- of um, of coaching, I find. Yeah. And yeah. from there, a lot of things will blossom. Yeah. When you help a client to find that and then, oof, we can we can take a lot of steps from there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love. I just love that. I think what, what I've experienced with you in our friendship and even the work uh, that we've done together, you know, you have definitely helped me be able to break through barriers, especially with my meditations and my inner work. Uh, you have this like soft fierceness to you. <laughs> And so it's such an extraordinary experience because on one hand, you, you, I feel and have felt and, you know, all the many years we know each other, you have this ability to make me feel safe and yet to push me beyond what's comfortable. And I think very Mm -hmm. few people are, it's a razor's edge to sit in the midst of and yet that I have seen as one of your greatest strengths. Thank you so much, Kim. Yeah. I was contemplating, you know, as we I was preparing to come and sit with yeah. you both today and just, okay, what what is it? What is it actually? Because, you know, putting your finger exactly on what coaching is, it's it's a many things for many people. Yeah. And I realized what you're describing is this sense of for me, it's helping people to get out of the box. So what's the biggest issue that we as human beings face really, you know, behind yeah. all of the things, whether it's dealing with colleagues at work, whether it's looking at your results on the, the, in the trading, whether it's yeah. things happening with your family, you know, whatever it yeah. is that's yeah. confronting us as human beings. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm crying a little bit, Samantha, because I'm, I'm kind of like reconnecting to some of those moments where you held space for me and how, uh, profound it was so that the emotion is like coming back from you know I mean gosh it's probably so many years ago and yet it's so fresh and I know that that and that's part of why I asked you to join the team because I knew you would have that ability to uh, be tender with somebody and also not take any bullshit and call them forth when they were holding themselves back yeah you know whatever it is that keeps us in the cage or the yep. box, yep. or that little shape that we've called Samantha or Kim or, you know, whatever our name is, um, our limitations, whatever whatever it is that keeps us in those boxes is incredibly tender yeah. and, and vulnerable because yeah. it's, yeah. it's really, it's our humanity. So it's not something that we want to stamp on and make wrong, but it's something that we want to move towards and allow the client really to have a self-realization, to have that sense of awareness. Oh, that's it. That's a limit that I really thought was real. And now I realize it's not. I can go beyond. And I could give you an example of a client that I was yeah. working with just recently who um, has been facing certain limits in terms of the work environment and just feeling very frustrated with the work environment and people around. And so we were really going into what what is it that what is it that you want what is it that you really want and this person had this huge light bulb go on when they realized oh they want growth what they really want in their work environment is to feel that they're growing so you know we all have work environments where sometimes things are conflictual or sometimes we face big challenges that we didn't think that we could necessarily do or you know whatever it is we're 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 confronted but for this person it was clear okay, if, if he could have a sense of growing, then all of those things he can, he can do. Oh, but it's just yeah. in, in that one simple thing, everything changed. Everything yeah. opened up. Yeah, because now you're standing in a in different field of possibility and the yeah. one that's going to actually satisfy you. Yeah, there was a um, 
quote, and I think it is quoted as Einstein, and I may not say it exactly, <laughs> the words exactly, but you can't change a problem from the level of the problem. Yeah. Yep. So just contemplate that for a minute because we all do it. I still do it. Yeah. You know, I need also to have support and reflection, you know, from friends yeah. or coaches or whatever, but it's, it's very human. We try and fix the problem from the level yeah. of the problem. And so the term that I would use here is standpoint. We have a particular standpoint. Mm. Okay, it's the standpoint of the box or the cage or the shape of Samantha where I'm yeah. defining myself as this and going, well, how can I fix it? Okay, this thing isn't working. How can I fix it? But, you know, it never really shifts. We know we, we may shift it. We may have a change externally because we've done something, you know, um, quite strategic, but then we haven't shifted it until we get into a different standpoint. Yeah. And you know when you're in that different standpoint because you feel spacious, you yes. feel big, you feel a sense of I can, you can move through things in a different way. It's There's an energy, there's an energy yeah. boost because it's like things have started moving again, blood is flowing. And it's very, I think, a, a term that you've used a lot, Kim, in regard to coaching, which is one of the reasons I was excited to be on your team is holistic mm. you know and i think that's you know where you and i yeah. are really in harmony is that yeah. we can work on this problem or that problem which i know that anyone on your team can do that we can we will help people with a specific problem but the shift is a holistic shift yeah. and this is what's so incredible because so many times over the years i've had people come to me and they'll be saying things like oh everyone says that i'm different or Oh, wow. people have noticed I've changed. Or, oh, wow, my relationship is completely different and we weren't even working on that. Yep, yep. It's, a, it's the body, mind, and spirit. All, it's the trifecta. And they, and they are like a cobweb. You can't have one and separate one from another. They're all interconnected. And that's, you know, I, I think that too is part of what I've journeyed through personally. Like, you know, I've seen from my own growth, like they, they all needed to be tended to and that they all impacted the other, the others. And I think that is, that is part of why, you know, I requested you join this team because I could see how much that was something you honored. And I think to be honest, all of the coaches on our team have that capability. Uh, and that is that probably, you know, as I've articulated to people, what are the qualities of the qualities I look for in the people that are on the team? Uh, I think that is probably a quality that I didn't even have to find Samantha until this conversation. It was like, I knew it when I saw it, but I probably didn't know how to articulate it. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, this is part of the secret <laughs> sauce. <laughs> Secret sauce. I love it's it. A, it's an ingredient. <laughs> I was calling it the X factor the other day, like that, that <laughs> secret, you know, piece, but that is, that is it. That is it. So thank you for defining that. I think that's a really beautiful distinction now that I have. And hopefully our listeners get to have, you know, what's different about all of us. I would say it's that. I would say it's yeah. that. Yeah. I think there's also a, um, would we say like an attitude? I'm not sure what the right word is, an attitude or a sort of turning towards growth as this client realised. And the reason I use that um, example is because I do think that's what coaching is about. Yeah. It's about helping people to grow in themselves, yeah. you know, and all yeah. of us, that's the thing about being human is that it, the reflection of another is so powerful because we, yeah. <laughs> we can all see in other people things that are going on and just goodness why doesn't that person shift that thing or change this you know totally. but in ourselves it can be very yeah. difficult we can get have the blind spots yeah for sure and that term i think is a really good one blind spot yeah and no matter how far along you are in the path there are blind spots and having the humility to have someone just come and reflect that yeah. so i don't believe that a coach is there to really tell you what to do but more mm -hmm. to help you to realize what you need to do from inside and then yes. reflect that back mm -hmm. in with this attitude of growth as in yeah. we're not here to say oh you're good or bad or you know yeah. you should have done this or you should have done that because everyone's doing that to themselves inside anyway yeah. but we're here to put the reflection up that you can yeah. see yourself and you can find that 
within you to take those steps that you know that you need to take. Yeah. yeah. First yeah. step, figuring out what the steps are and yes. then taking them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and and then think, holding you capable as capable to, to step into that. And that's what I find to be, you know, one of your greatest strengths is your uh, encouragement. Like you have this and, and your encouragement isn't platitudes. Like it, it doesn't mean you're not verbally encouraging, but it's an energy you hold, Samantha, that is encouraging. Like without even a word spoken, I have found myself encouraged just by your spirit. I'm so glad. <laughs> and that is, I think, one of the skills that I do in my personal work. So mm. behind the scenes. So obviously the work that a coach does on themselves is different than what they're going to necessarily be giving to the clients at different times. But yeah. my one of my greatest aspirations is to reflect the highest parts of people to them. And so that's one of the skills that I have forged in myself is to, yeah, to reflect the highest parts of the yeah. people around me. Yeah. So I think that's, 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 you do it. Thing. You yeah. do it. You do it, girl. You do it beautifully well. Beautifully well. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to experience and to, you know, it's very nourishing. It's nourished me many occasions. I mean, it's something that we know on a physical level in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, science says that we only use a small percentage of our brain. And I, yeah. I don't know recently what it is because science is moving so fast, but it yeah, was true. <laughs> two um, minutes ago. <laughs> I know, right? Well, um, <laughs> <Let me check. laughs> but say it, say it's moved yeah. to 10%, yeah. which I doubt. Um, yeah. I doubt yeah. it's moving that much, but it, that sort of physical level, we're not even tapping the potential of our brain. And then on a non-physical level, people's emotional capacity, people's spiritual capacity, their intellectual capacity is yeah. so much more. There's so much there each human being has to tap into. And that's what I mean by reflect. We yeah. reflect that back. Yeah. We hold yeah. space for that to be found within, to be known from the inside. Yeah. yeah. You know, Samantha, I feel I, I would I appreciate all the time you've given us, but I would love to also just if you're you know willing to speak a little bit about even the coaching you've done for the clients who are interested in creating their own meditation practice mm -hmm. and or a more robust and or deeper meditation experience. Would you be willing to just speak to that as well? Because it is some for some it's gonna be integrated in their coaching, but for some you know, uh, Samantha has worked with people just around how to create really a deep meditation practice. Mm -hmm. So perhaps share a little bit about that too. Uh, please. Yeah, I'll give a great case study for, for incentive first. Okay, good. <laughs> <My> <laughs> awesome. um, which is actually, I worked with a group of traders in Singapore a few years ago. Um, and that team, we did, some, we did some coaching sessions, we did some teaching sessions and I worked privately with the person who was running that team. Um, and he came back to me about a year later and gave me a really great um, result, which is that their trading results went up by a thousand percent, which I was, that blew my mind. That blew my mind <laughs> because the whole team was doing it. And what all they were doing, once we got through the teaching and so forth and the instructing, he was leading them through a 10 minute meditation in the morning before trading. And the thing is, wow. Just that little practice puts you in a place of equanimity. It puts you in a place of neutrality. And, and that's what I said standpoint. Like you literally are in a different standpoint of consciousness. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's not just trading. It's your whole life. So when you start to have, you can tell this is, I'm very passionate about this, but when you start <laughs> to have a meditation practice, yeah. you know the days that you don't do it, you know, you just don't quite feel great. Like, like on the days you don't brush your teeth. You know, yeah. we all brush our teeth every day and we don't think about it. And then the day you don't do it, you're like, oh, something just doesn't feel quite yes. right. Yes. And that's what can happen. So the meditation, I guess, gets you into that standpoint, even if you think you've had a bad meditation. Yeah. Even if you think your meditation is not working. Yeah. So what I would say to people is start with 10 minutes. Mm. So don't, don't think that you have to do these massively long sits. You know, unless you're already there, unless you've done like a Vipassana retreat or you you have some, you know, talent for it, just start with a small amount. And it's so much better to do a regular practice mm. and do, you know, feel confident about it 
than yeah. it is to overextend yourself and then, you know, then the next day you don't have time or whatever. We all have busy yeah. schedules. Yeah. And then the second tip I would say is fit it into your schedule somewhere where it can be repeatable. So the most ideal is obviously when you get up in the morning. But if you can't do that, you could do it in the evening or the afternoon, but do it somewhere where you're going to do it the same time every day because what you want to do is create a rhythm, same as brushing your teeth. Yeah. You know exactly what yeah. time you brush your teeth every day. Yeah. You yeah. just do it. You don't think about it. Yeah. And children at first, they don't want to, and then they just do. Yeah. And so that's what we want with the meditation. Make it easy for yourself by creating a schedule. And then the third point, which is my final point, would be, you know, you can. The thing is, meditation is really about silence. It's about moving towards being, not doing. And know that you can do it. So rather than striving for something or trying to do it, know that you are already a being. You're a human being. And so this is within you. It's within you to meditate. You're just going to find what's already there. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm thinking maybe what we'll do, Samantha, is do an episode just around the meditation for treaters. Uh, and we'll find out, you know, with the comments in our channel here on YouTube and those who listening to iTunes, they can send us an email. But if you want more of Samantha teaching you, what she taught those traders who increased their success yeah. tremendously, uh, then maybe we will do that. Sam, we'll have you back and we'll just talk about how to start that practice. Because I think a lot of traders hear about it. They certainly know the tr other traders that do a meditation practice. But for some, I think they wouldn't really quite know how to start other than through the apps, which are platforms I advocate. I love 10% Happier. Uh, even Headspace is a great app. But I think there's something about having that human interaction with people you feel comfortable with that, you know, feels more personal. So if you're willing to come back, we'll do maybe an episode just on that. Sound good? I would love to. That yeah, sounds like a lot good. of fun. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> good. Awesome. Great. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. It was just so beautiful to have you on here. Thank yeah. you. Bye, Lucas. See you, Kim. <laughs> Bye, Samantha. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Aloha. Well, that was amazing. And it had been a while since Samantha and I saw each other because we talk on the phone all the time. But yeah. it was, I'm so happy that she was able to come on and that you guys got a sense of her. Like, I really feel that conversation. You were able to get a sense of her personality, her approach, her perspective on coaching, how she coaches. You know, that was the first time you met her kind of almost and literally virtually yeah virtually, virtually. I've, I've, we've, we talked on the phone multiple times yeah, and we talk yeah. and email all the time but yeah this I is thought. this is the first time we've we've almost met we live in the same state we'll meet soon this is true, <laughs> this is true. not that many hours apart not that many hours apart yeah uh yeah uh, she i remember when she moved to berkeley uh you know was, we obviously lived in new york city together so we knew each other there, but you know, when she went to Berkeley, Berkeley's very different than New York City. Just like Hawaii is very different. <laughs> <laughs> very different energy there. So yeah. 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 I thought it was, it's really great the the analogy she made to meditation to brushing your teeth. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I found is like the days where I don't do it, like my my mind is just a little more scattered. And like she said, even if it's not like a, a great meditation, uh and I put that in air quotes, it's, you know, it's the practice of doing it as opposed yep. to like, and just being there with it. And yeah. your mind kind of just like filters, it takes the time, it relaxes it as does. opposed to, it does. as opposed to just like the wake up and go. And yep. even if it's a, even if it's like a not so great meditation or a great meditation, it just like centers yeah. you, grounds you. So true. It's interesting. The word you said just now filters, it's almost like it put, do you think doing the meditation puts, a filter between you and the rest of the day and kind of perhaps keeps the, the, what would you call that? Like the debris or the ash yeah. from being, it, it's like a filter on your tea. You know, it, it gets, yeah, you exactly. want all the leaves in your tea. I'm a yeah. tea drinker. You want just the, the beautiful um, flavoring, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you don't have the filter 
on those tea leaves, you're gonna it's gonna you be mean, a hard cup of tea to drink. Yeah, you're gonna be sifting through leaves all day, and that's and I, I, that's really what it. I mean, I feel like that's a we happened upon a pretty good metaphor there because I think it's. We <laughs> I, think I really we feel like that sometimes. Like the days I don't meditate, it's just like you know the little things are just popping up, popping up, yeah. popping up, and it's like yeah, why are those popping up as opposed to like me having the awareness before yeah. to categorize them. And I think also just to reiterate that it's that there are those who go into meditation and they're like, I'm doing it wrong. Oh, I, yeah. I, I didn't get something out of it today, but it's like, if you think of it as a filter for the rest of the day, perhaps it shifts your expectations even going into it. Yeah. You may not even know that it benefited you in that moment, but later on, if you don't have tea leaves in your teeth, then <laughs> it worked. You did it. And even if you do have tea leaves in, in your teeth, it's, it's, you still did it. You um, still did it. That's true. It's yeah. True. That's, that's one thing that I've, I've found a lot of resistance to people that don't meditate or like ask mm -hmm. me about it is, you know, I just don't feel like I'm doing it right. Or like, I can't, you know, I can't stop my brain. It's like, you don't, well, one, don't stop your brain. Cause then you'll die. <laughs> Two, like, you're just not going to like, that's not the point yeah. of meditation. Uh, in my, in my opinion, I don't know nope. what nope. all others would say, but. Well, you can't stop the brain. So the point is, if you're waiting for that to happen, it's <laughs> a long time. <laughs> but getting comfortable, and even what she spoke to about the expansion, it's being able to sit even in the resistance to the expansion. Yeah. Learning yeah. how to be with, you know, again, what's hard to be with. Yeah. And that's half the battle. So, yeah. yeah. But so uh, I'm, I'm excited and, and I'm excited to see what people have to say if they want us to do a conversation with Samantha about her techniques and, and her meditation style and practice because it is, it is the meditation uh, practice in school uh, that I learned and it, and it still serves me to this day and it's got to be over 10 years ago that I learned it from her and her you know, training. So yeah. 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 Okay, good. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited today to introduce you guys to Jason and Paula Voss. Jason and I go back at least eight or nine years, I think, Jason. You're going to have to correct me if I'm ten. wrong. Ten? ten. Is it ten? Oh, my <laughs> God. I was going to say ten, and I was like, I always think it's longer than it is. 2011. Wow, that is amazing. I won't tell so, anybody oh. that you're older than ten years old. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for keeping my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Jason and I were introduced. How were we introduced? Actually, I'm forgetting who introduced us. Do you remember? I don't remember. I do remember, though, that the conversation revolved around uh, the intuitive investor because you were looking for people on Wall Street, you know, who you thought had a slightly different voice than the normal take. And lo and behold, there's the book over your shoulder. And uh, exactly, it, exactly. that was that was the common thread was uh, the intuitive investor. I think maybe I found you on my own if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, because I was looking and hunting and then I came upon your book and bought it. And I actually think I bought it from you and you actually, it might be right here on my shelf. <laughs> uh oh, the podcast host has left the scene. <laughs> this is good radio. <laughs> July 23rd, 2017. And oh yeah. Signed one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, that may be 2011. I know we met in 2011 because I know exactly the office I was working in. And that was, I only occupied that in like 2011, early 2012. So, Well, maybe I didn't. I probably bought your book online. I probably bought the Kindle or something. And then yeah. maybe when I met you. So this is Jason's book, a must read for anybody who is an investor or trader, in my humble opinion. It's an incredible incredible story and journey uh, that you shared in here. But I want everybody just to get a sense of Jason today. We're going to have Jason back on for a full uh, conversation podcast. But today's podcast is to talk specifically to how he's worked with the clients of the Wall Street Coach for you guys to get a sense of who he is, what he specializes in doing for our clients. And uh, Jason, please, first of all, welcome to the podcast and please let everybody know a little bit about who you are. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course, and thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for, for uh, letting me say a little bit about myself. Um, I have been in the business for almost 30 years now, and I have held various 
roles, probably the one most uh, relevant and germane to our audience is uh, former portfolio manager of the Davis Appreciation and Income Fund, um, which I managed for a number of years. I did pretty well, um, well enough that I retired from investment management in 2005. Uh, and I, I think uh, the intuitive investor, which you just held up, and I think my coaching practice is informed by those experiences, right? So the fund I managed was a $250 million fund when I took it over. It was a $500 million fund when I left, and I spoke for over several billion dollars as a fund manager. So I'm well aware of all of the existential crises that that can induce in a person, uh, and all the stresses that can be felt in holding that chair and that level of responsibility. I know what it feels like to sign trade tickets for over seven figures, for example. And I spent a hell of a lot of time trying to understand what made me tick and what would make me a better investor. And it, I mean, it didn't take too long into my career, Kim, to realize that what was between my ears and the, it wasn't a technical problem that I faced. It was an emotional wisdom level problem that I faced to get better as an investor. I so I'll pause there, but I think I think that that is what informs my coaching practice is helping people discover their inner wisdom and discover the behaviors, attitudes that people engage in that sort of limit limit their ability to to sort of be as amazing as they are, honestly. At the beginning, before we started to record, you spoke to the concept of how there's an inner voice that we're either listening to or running away from. Would you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And I think, I think most of us are running away from it. Um, I, mm. I, Kim, you and I have had conversations about this before. In fact, that, that featured large in some of our preliminary conversations. I think most people are terrified of their own personal power, quite honestly. And it is a terrifying thing because there's a responsibility there. Because once you accept that you're that powerful, it's inevitable that you look at your life and you say, hey, am I really owning that, right? Mm -hmm. And that can be quite terrifying. And to, to the steps it takes to realize that, accept that can be very tough. And many people never sort of really get there, sadly. And I think as a coach, one of the um, jobs that I face is to listen to people um, very deeply, very profoundly, ask them thoughtful questions. Um, I tend to start with questions like, what's your denominator? Like, how do you evaluate the quality of your life? What is it that makes you tick? And then to listen to the level of authenticity around that response. Is this really something that I, you know, I believe when I hear this person say this? If not, then the questions are different. The questions then are, how did you come to this realization? And you know, um, how vested are you in this? If you didn't achieve this, what would happen? Um, those types of questions. Because the answers to those tend to be very core sort of concerns. They're like buried in the seed of that human being. It's how they're approaching their lives, it's, it's filtering how they accept what's going on around them. It's filtering and controlling, in some cases, their choices around that. And that's all about what trading is. It's about seeing the world for what it is, not what you'd like it to be, because the markets don't care, your boss doesn't care, your spouse doesn't care. You have to be able to accept it. That's the first thing. And so that's, that can be a lot of work. I mean, quite honestly, that can be months and months of work. And by the way, the, 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 benefit to that is once you realize what your personal power is, then you're confronted with a to be or not to be existential kind of a question. Do I want to own that? And then that's a whole nother set of coaching skills. How do I get somebody to take that journey uh, with me uh, of discovery and, hey, what am I really capable of? You know, like athletes go through this too. Wow. You know, I'm terrified of what an amazing athlete I really am. And what's this mean? Am I going to be alone in that space? If I'm the superstar investor, will I really feel as good as I think it will? Or will I feel isolated and feel like people don't, are scared of me? You know, like all these issues are quite real. So anyway, I think my edge is I've held that chair. I did it well. Uh, and I, I, I think I paid a lot of attention to all the various things that made up my own psyche that interfered with me being my very best and happiest, quite honestly. 
Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh, your own journey and what uh, it was that elicited that thought, even the thought, oh, I have to find out what is going on between my ears so that I can be the best at my job. What, what do you think allowed you to see that thought or consider the importance of that? Ticker symbol, IRF. Uh, international rectifier. So, uh, yeah, ter- terrible name for a company. All right, it sounds almost <laughs> like it's a, a healthcare stock. It's not. It's a technology That's... stock. Um, international rectifier makes rectifier chips, and it's rectifiers that allow uh, the chips that are in our mobile devices, for example, or in other small electronic devices, including Wi-Fi. You know, our Wi-Fi modems that they don't melt because the level of electricity going through some of those chips is enough to power a electric car going 60 miles an hour down the road. And they're in these little devices. Rectifiers mean that, you know, that doesn't happen. Why is that important? How's that relevant? And what did I learn? Um, I knew that I had impressed the folks at the Davis funds where I worked uh, pretty early in my career. And they were talking within nine months of me starting as a research analyst of promoting me to portfolio manager. And I thought, oh my God, I have to start prepping for this big, ta-da, I'm here, I'm a portfolio manager. Um, and so there were names I started to research that I thought had really bright futures. Uh, and I wanted to hit, you know, you know, and make a really big splash landing you know, the day I got promoted. And literally the day I was told that the board had approved my promotion. Uh, I executed trade for international rectifier, despite the fact that I knew that I could only get to the current valuations by aggressively uh, making revenue assumptions, profit margin assumptions that would basically mean they, like in a baseball type saying, they were batting over 400 for like many seasons, right? So too aggressive and it promptly fell from about $60 per share to about $28 per share. And I realized that my intellectual chops weren't what was the problem there. It was because I had an emotional attachment to making a big splash. So sorry, shareholders. Sorry, Jason, (laughs) for your reputation. Sorry for that to be your big first impression. And it doesn't take too many of those for you to realize, oh, if I'm going to get better at this, I have to acknowledge my own emotions and my own uh, emotional makeup, my own intellectual makeup that are limiting me from being my very best. Because I knew that I was stretching it upon reflection, but I was so motivated and so on autopilot. I was so vested in this false narrative. I've got to be a big success story that really hurt my performance and my shareholders. Yeah. Incredible that you were willing to see in the pain of that, that incredible lesson though, because that to me is what takes that cost and completely resurrects it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of my coaching themes is I I think of there, there being three big jobs for all investors. The first is to accept the world for what it is, not what you'd prefer it to be. Job two, you got to be decisive with that understanding. And then job three is I've got to learn from everything. And the goal in job three there is not to make the same mistake twice. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the only way those become valuable lessons. I I agree with you, Kim. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, We recently interviewed Samantha Keene, who's one of the coaches on our team, who uh, was the practitioner who taught me the meditation uh, practice that I currently still use. And yet I know you yourself have taught meditation. I feel that your approach in Samantha's uh, in some ways probably have things in common, but I also think they're very different. So I would love to just have you speak about when you've worked with clients to help them create their own meditation practice uh, first. And then we'll talk a little bit about intuition and how why your whole book is about the intuitive investor is about your journey with intuition. It's a really beat up copy. I'm sorry, but no, that just I, shows are you kidding me? The That's love. the highest compliment. That's <laughs> the that? highest compliment okay, any okay, author can have. You don't want a pretty <laughs> book. <laughs> the pristine copy that looks like it's never been opened is the word, the biggest insult to it. Well, uh, my my books always are usually cleaner than probably most people's because I'm a Virgo. I really like them. <laughs> but yours, I've taken uh, in so many pieces of luggage. I've carried. I mean, it's either at my office or my home because I keep bringing it back and forth. So wow. anyway, 
Sorry, back to the answer to the meditation question. Yeah, so the the reason why, let's be clear about why meditation is important. And it's important because of self-awareness. This is really the the common language of all of the inner states is you have to be able to observe your inner state. You have to be able to describe your inner state. The only way to do that is to equip yourself with skills that allow you to gain witness consciousness or that self-awareness that we're talking about. Meditation is the easiest, most direct, most powerful way to do it. It's simple. It's inexpensive, except Mm -hmm. that it raises all these, uh, I might encounter my full power self along the way terror uh, moments, uh, which can be quite intimidating. And it's no joke, folks. If you've ever done any real deep dive self-awareness work, it is terrifying to encounter your fully powerful self. So don't, I know it's, you know, real macho to dismiss these kinds of things as not being real concerns, but they are real concerns. Trust me. So anyway, um, I, I tend to start with what is it that people are already doing that allows them to achieve meditative states. That's a huge distinction. Meditative states are what we're after. Meditation is the practice of how to achieve that meditative state. Meditative states are innate to all of us. We all have the ability to achieve those states. Chances are most people are already doing it. So I begin typically with Mm -hmm. exploring the answer to the question of what do you do that rejuvenates you? And usually the answer to that question, unless it's something like sleep, um, you know, are the activities that people are engaged in that lead to self-awareness. And usually a check-in and exploration around those practices uh, will uncover some of that person's greatest insights, greatest trades, uh, greatest mm-hmm. job decisions, greatest responses to uh, mm-hmm. a difficult situation in life, greatest decision in terms of which path among many to, to walk down, et cetera, et cetera. And then to the degree that somebody's interested in really formalizing it, like a true meditation practice, which you're talking about, Kim, yeah. you know, that's rooted in a Hindu tradition or a Buddhist tradition or whatever tradition, that is a bringing that level of sophistication to it accelerates the growth, but there has to be some level of acceptance of, wow, there's something really amazing there. So I tend to start with the everyday mindfulness, the everyday meditations that people are already engaged in and then have them explore with that, right. And start to play with that and don't ask of them to do something completely different. I usually ask, Hey, what are you doing already? Do that thing more, which is an easier, Mm -hmm. easier thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the importance of intuition. Uh, it's a conversation, especially among traders, uh, that are they mostly seem to be of two minds. There are those who are afraid of the superficial intuition, uh, you know, potentially leaving them astray. And then there's the intuition. I I almost feel like there should be an asterisk on everybody's use of the word intuition. And let's just find out exactly what they mean by it. Because when you spoke about intuition, when I first read your book and got to meet you, I knew that we were having a conversation about another uh, description of intuition that I myself probably had maybe visited but yet not been able to articulate the way you helped me learn how to articulate it. So it's, it's oh, a big wide open yeah. question. But. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I think the, the first confusion, like typically, by the way, I think intuition is best done through coaching because of what you described, Kim, which is how do I trust it? right? It's really easy to trick yourself into believing it. There's a lot of work that needs to be done for, let me unwind that. I don't want to project Mm -hmm. that onto anybody. Mm -hmm. For most people educated in a world in which I judge absolutely everything intellectually. Do I like this? Is it good for me? Is it bad for me? Uh, Do I like blue? Do I like green? Do I have Mexican food or Chinese food tonight? We're constantly in this judgment mode. We're in intellect mode 98% of the time. Intuition is the state of consciousness stripped of judgment. It's that job one that I described uh, that I think is so important. Accepting the world for what it is, not what you would prefer to be. Intuition is the language of wisdom. So anyway, the first level of confusion that most people have is, instinct versus intuition, right? There's trader's instinct, then there's trader's intuition. Instinct is literally like an animal response to, actually, sorry, animal reaction to something. You don't think about it, you don't consider it, you just do the thing that you need to do. That tends to be the case that people are really good at that, know when to sell, right? That tends to be, uh, hey, something really creeped me out about this, I don't feel good about this. They don't even contemplate it, they just sell. 
That's yeah. different. That's a different skill set, um, which you can explore through coaching as well. Intuition's different. Intuition is I'm going to strip my mind from predetermined preferences, prejudices, judgments, um, and start to just sort of see if I can accept the world in a non-conceptual way. What do I even mean by that? Uh, Kim, you know this because you've read the book. I do this exercise and I've done it with audiences for the last, I don't know, 13, 14 years where you tune into the temperature of the room. Do it with Lucas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tune, tune into the temperature of the room and do so for like 30 seconds and then uh, come back and describe that experience. And then I, I say, how many Let, of you- Wait, wait, wait. Let's, yeah. let's have let's, Lucas do it right now. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Lucas, we're, we'll do it with you. You can okay. be our- you could be our test subject pick. number 37 or whatever number you prefer. <laughs> 37 right, is good. So, That's a fine All right, number. so Lucas, take, take 15 seconds. Okay. We'll pause. We'll let the audience pause. You and the mm-hmm. audience do this with us. Tune into the temperature, the feeling of the temperature of the room. The physical okay. temperature of the room. Yeah. Okay. Or you could be outside, wherever you're listening to this. Yeah. Go do that right now. Okay. Usually the first response to that is, boy, 15 seconds is really long. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, Lucas, did you have uh, an experience of uh, a question like, I wonder how this is helpful and makes me a better trader? Did you have a question like that that maybe ran through your mind? Oh, no, not really. I was just like becoming very aware of my skin. Oh, really? (laughs) Good. Well done. Um, Did you have any response of, it feels to me, if you're viewing this podcast in the Western world or the U.S., some degrees Fahrenheit, uh, it's probably 74 degrees Fahrenheit. Did you do something like that? Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, it's probably, it feels maybe warmer than that when I started paying attention to it. It's like, maybe it's like 75 or 70, like high 70s in here right now. Right. Cool. And then did you have another thing like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have... uh, worn a t-shirt that's a poly blend because uh, poly blend makes me sweat when it's 74. Anything like that? <laughs> Nothing like that, no. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so what's interesting about that, these responses, you know, they range over the place, but the observation and the point is the temperature of the room exists independently of our ability to describe it. So Lucas, if you had your favorite pet, you know, a hamster, dog, cat, whatever, parrot. I, I don't know where you're living right now, <laughs> but whatever. You're a guitar player, so we'll just say you're like a pirate. It's going to be a parrot. Yeah, I'll be a parrot. Okay. Yeah, the parrot, the parrot has an experience of the temperature, even though the parrot can't describe it, can't evaluate mm-hmm. it, can't analyze it. But as human beings, we take what is a phenomenon that exists regardless if we're alive or dead. It's still there. Yeah. And we start to name it, judge it, describe it, like categorize it, evaluate yeah. it. That's the intellectual uh, consciousness that I was talking about. Intuition's what you were doing for a part of your exercise, just the feeling of the temperature of the room. That is non-conceptual awareness. That is really hard to do. If you're able to do that and you're able to stabilize that, which takes practice, admittedly, then all of a sudden you can direct your consciousness to what's the mood of the market? How do they feel about this stock? How do they feel about this stock right now? And boy, you'll be surprised by the accuracy of the answers you get there. And that's, that's intuition. It's sort of tapping into what I call the collective consciousness or yeah. like a non, for those quantum physics geeks, a non-local reality. Yeah. And I think that's the power of intuition. Wow. That's a, it makes complete sense. Like even logically the way you explain it, it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. Yeah. Most of us are, are wrapped up in the evaluation mode In the evaluation yeah. mode they're we can use techniques, we can use calculus, we can use regression analysis, we can use whatever trading model we've got, technical analysis, we yeah. can use all that, but that's all within the mind. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all within the analytical mind. And what we're missing is, I would argue, a bigger, vaster experience of what's going on around us. And being able to tap into that at will uh, is, is definitely something that gives you an edge. Wow, that's awesome. That's fun. Cool. The, the, it's like always available to us, but we are not always available to it. 
Yeah. Well, in an example from my own career, the international rectifier example I gave, I, I was not available to my intuition. Yeah, my intuition, yeah. uh, you know, was uh, this, it's too soon. Be patient, uh, right? This is the inner voice, the inner wisdom, the inner strength, the inner big ver version of Jason, capital J Jason, not little J Jason. Dude, they already like you. They're promoting you, you dumbass. Right? <laughs> They're promoting you sooner than they've ever promoted anybody from research analysts. PM. You don't have to impress them. You already got that one, dumbass. That's the inner voice. That's the inner wisdom. When you begin to, but I had this prejudice and preference about how my world should be. Yeah. And it made, it led to very bad choices. And by the way, that's why people don't trust their intuition is they, they know secretly what their preferred outcome is. I want to make a lot of money on this trade. And then they sort of force the answer with the intellect and that's yes. why they stop to trust their intuition because they may not like the answer of the intuition. Cause again, mm -hmm. we have to see the world for what it is, not what we would prefer it to be. We may yeah. prefer to make a million dollars on this trade. Markets don't care. Yeah. Markets don't care. Sorry. I've, I've unfortunately seen this time and time and again, like once, I, I mean, I've seen it personally for me and had a similar experience to you where it was like, I recognized, Oh, that is me trying to force my outcomes. Uh, but I've also seen it with so many other traders. I think everybody goes through it at least at least once, but some are like crippling and others are are not, so. Yeah, yeah, well, good of you to, to admit that, uh, Lucas. It, it's tough, and that, that's the work of I do as a coach, right, is identify, remember I said, the first step always for me is to listen very deeply about what's your denominator, what's your motivator, because that's where the prejudices and preferences are. I grew up poor as a kid. My, my denominator was, I don't ever want to feel poor again, kind of a Scarlett O'Hara moment of, yeah. so help me God, I will never be poor again, kind of a thing. And that was my bias, right? And until I got to the point where, hey, dude, what's your relationship to money and having money? Could I get rid of that so that stuff like international rectifier didn't happen? So the first thing is listen for what is motivating people. Why, do they, why are they making these decisions? Does this resonate as honest and true? Are they really after their highest and best self? Or are they really after some intellectualized thing? Or are they running away, as I said, from something? Like me, I was running away from my, my childhood of not making a lot of money or having a lot of money. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Powerful. I'm so glad you got to do the t tune into the temperature because it's one of my favorite exercises. And I, I remember judging it and going through the, it's too hot, it's too cold. Uh, you know, just, just the, the standard places of judgment. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think it's a great, it's just a simple exercise, but so powerful to let people realize that is the default place we visit uh, when Asked to just simply do something as simple as tuning into the temperature. <laughs> well, and yeah, you know, Lucas, you did really well in your answer. Uh, I, you used the word warmer, and it's only natural to. Warmer is one of those judgment words, right? Yeah. Because to somebody else, they may experience the exact same temperature as cool. Cool, yeah, or yeah. cold, even. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it's awesome. What, what would you say uh, for your own journey? It, I know you've had a long journey, but what do you feel? Do you feel that moment with that one investment was the catalyst or were there others that came along the way? Uh, well, you know, I, I mean, I've had various what I'll call long, dark nights of the soul, right? So that's mm -hmm. a long, dark night of the soul. And usually those long, dark nights of the soul. And for those of you in the audience who have not experienced one, it's coming. And the long dark night of the soul, quite honestly, is where you're usually angry with yourself because you denied something special about yourself. So I had another long dark night of uh, the soul when I was 25. Uh, I became a research analyst at 28. And I was very, very, I'm sorry, I said 25. I think it was, I was 24. My mistake. Anyway, so I was 24 years old and I was waiting. You know, I, I was very full of myself, which was born of, you know, an insecurity. I thought I was usually the most intelligent and wise person my age in any room. It doesn't matter whether that was true or not. The question is, why is that important to you, dude? 
Like, why is that something that's really important to you? And what's the root of that? What the root of that was, was an insecurity. But what that meant was I had a level of cynicism uh, about things. And so I was waiting for, I literally had a narrative in my head that kept going round and round of eventually somebody will recognize my talent and give me a job, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like they're just talent scouts out there looking for me. For me, right? And when that narrative broke down and I realized it and accepted, and again, I said, I think most people are aware of their inner voice. When I finally accepted the truth of the world, again, job one, yeah, accept the world for what it is, not what you prefer it to be. I'd prefer it to be that easy. That, oh, naturally, somebody's going to, you know, just go, we're so glad you're here, Jason. We're so glad you've arrived here. Let us give you everything we've worked really hard for. You don't have to because you're so amazing. Right. That, that ridiculous narrative. But I believe that. Right. I believe that crap. So anyway, uh, I was 24 years old and I was so angry with myself. I was so angry with myself. That was a nut. And I remember Lucas, uh, my favorite Stratocaster guitar player other than Jimi Hendrix is Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins. Sure. I was listening to Hummer by the Smashing Pumpkins on repeat track four off Siamese Dream, an amazing song. And he talks about my tongue so fat with promise. And then he talks about the shame of not honoring his voice. Mm -hmm. And it hit me so hard. I'm like, wow. dude, this is your life. You wow. cannot create an equation for your life and not put yourself in it. Wow. And by the way, that's oh. a lot of what I do as a coach. Yeah. I, yeah. Is What's your formula? That's why that's I start huge. with what's your denominator? How do we put you in it? So you're yeah. vested. So you wake up every day and life is effortless because you care about this thing. Yeah. So anyway, that was another long dark night of the soul. Wow. I, I've had more than I would like to admit to, but those are two big ones, Kim. Thank you for sharing that one too. Uh, because at the end of the day, what I want people to see is that, you know, coaching is not uh, a magic pill or magic wand. It's, it's, it's actually a facilitator, perhaps for some doctor, dark long nights of the soul it could be the facilitator for you to have honesty with yourself that you haven't had the courage to have before and somebody to accompany you on that scary journey uh i do believe it's it's a necessity for most people because i have seen so much happen on my own journey with therapy versus coaching and i found coaching to just you know, move quicker and help me just be able to put things down faster uh, and move and transmute whatever the challenges that I was bringing to the conversation with. So I, I'm an advocate for it, but I also am careful with our the client prospects that come in who are looking for the quick fix because I know that not, there is no quick fix to anything out there. Yeah, and isn't that an interesting piece of information for you as a coach? If they are looking for the quick fix, talk about prejudices and prejudices brought to bear on the world. That's a filter that doesn't stand up to scrutiny for very long, unfortunately. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So thank you for coming here. I know that we're going to have you back on to talk at depth in depth about intuition because I just want to share your wisdom. Also, I want to just point everybody to, to Jason's, uh, you have your own video, uh, you know, podcast on YouTube and I'm not sure is it on other than uh, YouTube. Tell us the name of your podcast again, please. Just on YouTube and it's from the research chair and from I co-host it with uh, my partner in crime because in addition to making my living as a coach, I also uh, advise investment teams on how to improve their uh, philosophy process and execution. And so my cohort in that is my partner in that, that line of work, uh, which we call embedding. So we embed with investment teams and evaluate literally everything that is detracting from performance, from cultural nuances and ticks to just, hey, we're not very good at financial statement analysis or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't really matter. Wow. And coaching, you know, very frequently uh, factors into that. Certain team members need, need some help discovering their, their inner genius. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So if you want to learn more about Jason, please go uh, to his YouTube channel. They're amazing videos. I haven't watched them all, but I've watched quite a few of them. So 
Oh, Kim, that's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very, um, a very special episode is when you guys broke down intuition. So that's what I was like, oh, we, we have to do our own episode with you about that. But today it's to let everybody meet the coaches on the team for the Wall Street Coach. And I'm just so glad you were able to come today and share just who you are and how you look at the world, at least a small part of how you look at the world. So. Oh, cool. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Kim. Thank you, Lucas. Nice to meet yeah. both of you. Or to meet Lucas. Kim, nice to see you again. Good to see you. Nice to meet you, Jason. Bye, everyone. Well, I'm very happy that you got to have a little more time with uh, Jason Lucas. Yeah. Never mind our audience, because he is a, he's a genius. I mean, yeah. this man is a genius. Uh, and very, in my experience, very few people... Uh, are very much a genius and somebody who is uh, spiritual and intuitive. Yeah. So he's a rare bird. Yeah. What'd you think? It's, he's, he's incredible. Truly, like you said, like he's a genius in one, his intellect, uh, two, his, his, this intuition and the curiosity around like what makes up more of our lives than just the intellect. Right. Uh, yeah. it's, and, yeah. And three, he's also just a very pleasant person. <laughs> yeah, isn't he? He's so much fun. I mean, he and I must have had, God, at least five, six lunches in New York City. And he's a really sharp dresser. Uh, and I, I was, yeah. So I really like a well-dressed man. Just, just saying, just saying, I like a well-dressed man. And this is one of the things too that is, I think, somewhat magical about the finance world is that, you know, there are, men who really dress well. And it just, it does, like, look, there's a time and a place where well-dressed is not appropriate. <laughs> but, but like his ties and his handkerchief and his suit, like, I mean, oh my God. Actually, when I went to FIT, I went to Fashion of Technology, I actually co-directed the first menswear fashion show. If I, if I went down that path of fashion, it probably would have been for menswear. So it's not just because I love men, which I do, <laughs> but I do really appreciate menswear fashion. And Jason has it down. He, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he does. He does know what he's doing. He's not afraid of color. Of course, not a lot of bright color in the finance world but he knew how to like you know mix the subdued purples and violets with the oh, wow yeah it's really it's, it's an art form uh not to distract or deflect from everything else no, well, as well like you said we, we're gonna have him on in the future so maybe uh we'll we'll have one episode that's about intuition maybe we'll have one about <laughs> about fashion <laughs> fashion <laughs> because you know the thing about fashion especially in finance is it's you have the ability to set yourself apart like i did it for myself uh when i started coaching because most of finance is a sea of black it's mm. a sea of black and gray and when i started coaching and you know i remember walking into these big banks and i would have on a very bright colored dress and let me tell you, everybody noticed <laughs> because everybody's in black. It's like a, a, a little uh, side of color. Where's the color? Where's the color? And then, and then I was like, who's that? Oh, she's a coach. Like I was being very strategic sure. in what I wore because I knew that would keep me. So I think to the, the men and women who like know how to, you know, you're, there's a beautiful quote, some famous man whose name escapes me, but he says, good clothes open all doors and i truly believe it does interesting i'm gonna have to stop just wearing my t-shirts then that's what i'm getting from this conversation <laughs> you are a sharp dresser though and there is a there is a sharp dressing even casually like i live in hawaii now so i'm that's not wearing true. my high heels and all my look at you right are. now i would say you are hawaiian chic I mean, I'm a Hawaiian <laughs> chic, I hope. I'm, I'm going for that. I'm going for that. Uh, this is so anyway, Jason, I just want to point everybody back to his book, The Intuitive Investor. Look, it matches my walls, Lucas. See, I'm all about magic. Uh, this book, people, if you're a trader, you got to read this book. If you're an investor, you got to read this book. If you're a human being trying to live in this crazy world, you got to read this book. <laughs> it's a book that is not going to be a fast read. It's going to be a deep book that for you to live and integrate, you're going to need to swallow it in doses. It's like rich, rich, dark chocolate. You can't eat the bar at once. Mm. You take a little piece, 
you let it digest, you savor it, you contemplate, you hopefully follow his exercises. He gives really excellent exercises in the book. Um, and, you know, we're going to have him back on to dive deeper into intuition, which is a topic I happen to love. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm just so glad that he was able to come on. And, you know, let us know if you want to work with him uh, or any other coaches on the team. You've met Samantha Keen now. You've met Jim Persing. You've met Antonio. Uh, we've got Lucas. I mean, we've, we've introduced you now to a lot of people that are very unique. Everybody is very different, you yeah. know what if they say one of these things is not like the other, like in a way, some of us, like we're, we're all so different. And yet I do believe we all have one thing in common. Do you know what that is? Could you oh. guess? What the single thing? Mm -hmm. uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind is we're human. Yes, this is true. <laughs> and what I'm thinking is we all have heart. Yeah, sure. We all Ability have heart. For Empathy, heart, yep. love it. Yep, yep. And and how we live and work. Like it's, we all are doing what we are called to do. And yeah. that is pretty, I think we're just, we're all very lucky that we all found each other. That's all. Yeah. I feel yeah, really lucky. Fun. I feel really, <laughs> really lucky. <laughs> like I won the jackpot times 10. <laughs> all right, so we'll see you guys next time on the Wall Street Coach Podcast. Please let us know if you like these kind of conversations, uh, what you want to see here. We're really reading them and trying to, uh, you know, meet the needs that you guys tell us you have. Uh, if there's anything you want more of or less of, just tell us. And if you like what you see, please feel, uh, don't be shy to put a comment uh, or a thumbs up on uh, YouTube. And if you're so bodacious that you're willing to go to iTunes and write a review, uh, Liz Leadley just wrote us a review on there. It takes a little, little bit more time, I think, to put a review <laughs> up on iTunes. But they really help people. The algorithms, you know, those damn algorithms. They run we the want, world we now. Want to spread. They run the world. <laughs> help us, help us get, get these messages of heart and wisdom out to more traders and to more human beings. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Wall Street Coach Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with K-Man Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.